I don't ask anybody's question but yours. Is he in? He is! Dungey with another touchdown run! Because you're an idiot. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. And really, a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to. Ennis, two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! Oh, you made it to the weekend, Syracuse fans. Orange and Tar Heels tomorrow. It's going to be a good one inside the Dome. The last home game inside the former Dome as we know it. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard with you here on Locked on Syracuse. We're going to get into all of our UNC stuff. And, of course, we're going to wrap the show up how we always do in a preview podcast with the Prop Shop. But first, be sure to check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And also, if you're just catching up on some activities around the house and want to listen on your smart speaker, tell your smart speaker to play the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Before we dive into any of this basketball stuff, Tim, there was something that came across the ledger yesterday on Twitter, and it was a really interesting story. It it comes from the world of women's lacrosse, okay, where (laughs) Syracuse is supposed to have their senior day on, I believe it was Sunday, since the basketball game is uh, on Saturday, and well, it was supposed to be Friday. Oh, it was supposed to be, to be Friday. Okay, so yeah. it was supposed to be today. But they have moved the game, not just the the date of the game. They've moved the location of the game, and not just to a high school or something. No, 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 no. They have moved the location of the game to the state of Maryland, where Syracuse is now playing a road game against the University of Maryland. Two of the best teams historically, but... I I've never seen anything like this. Like I've seen it's games blasphemy. moved. I've seen games moved, but I have never seen games moved from a home game to a road game. I mean, I guess the one time I've seen something theoretically like this was way back. I, I don't even remember the year, but there was a hurricane down in Houston and the Cubs were playing the Astros. This is how old this was. This is when the Astros were in the NL Central way back in the day when they had the 16 oh, wow. format there. And they moved the game from Houston all the way up to Milwaukee, which is essentially, I mean, that's an hour and a half drive from the Chicago area. And then Carlos Zambrano goes out and throws a no-hitter on a quote-unquote neutral site. But in reality, it was a home game for the Cubs that day. That's the only other time I can think of something like this happening. But to me, I don't understand this at all. You're talking about travel concerns. Listen, travel concerns are a two-way street, okay? Travel concerns, anything that Maryland would have to face, you'd figure Syracuse would have to face going to Maryland as well. So this makes no sense to me. But I will tip my hat to Gary Gate and for setting this up and not shying away and postponing the game. Instead, he says, you know what? No, we're, we're going to actually go beat you at your place now. So hats off to Gary Gate, but a very puzzling move here by the University of Maryland. And to see Syracuse Twitter go out and pretty much attack Terp Twitter, that was awesome. Yeah, it's a weak move. I mean, they're, Syracuse is going to make the exact same route that Maryland would make. I just don't get, like, they should have to forfeit this game or something. Why is it that now Syracuse, who gets to play the defending national champions, and this is such a big game for as big as a regular season game gets. I mean, not only are you taking away the senior day from these women's lacrosse players for Syracuse, because this is early in the season, yes, but it's the last dome game they can play, so they were going to make it senior day. 
mean, that's such a shame that they don't get to get that final dome game because Maryland forced Syracuse to come down and play at their place where they have a history of being much, much better. I just, I, I don't even get, want to get started on this because it's just unfair. I mean, I don't even know how a Maryland fan could defend what is going on. And I will say now I'm much more intrigued in this game, which has been moved to Saturday at noon. And I hope Syracuse beats the brakes off of them, which they never really seem to do, especially at Maryland. Maryland's a really good team, but maybe this is the motivation they need. For a little bit of context here, of course, we're, we're talking about an ACC team playing a Big Ten team. So it's an out-of-conference game this late in the season. But to to give you a little context, I guess it's not that late in the lacrosse season now, now that yeah. I think about it. I, I, my, right. my gears are towards basketball. but Time's it, flying, but it's yeah, not it really flying is. that much. <laughs> um, it, it's going to be March tomorrow. I can't believe it. So yeah. In two days. It's a leap year. Right. It is a leap year. I've been tripped up by the leap year a lot this year so far. But... <laughs> I mean, th- this is like almost a Champions Classic level game. Like that that's thats the magnitude of these two programs. So yeah. just for a little briefer there. But I will say this. If you are in the DMV area, and I know Syracuse alumni have a big, strong fan base out in that area. Our podcast has a big, strong fan base out in that area as well. Go out, support these women because they deserve their quote-unquote senior day with a lot of orange in the stands. So go out and do that. At the, I think they're playing at the field hockey stadium. Is that? I think I read that right. So go out and, yeah, and, and right. support them as they take on another top 10 foe in Maryland. All right, let's get into the basketball here, Tim. So Syracuse, UNC. You and I have kind of pegged this as the last losable game on the regular season slate. And this is going to be a tough one. I know UNC is not looking like your typical UNC team near the bottom of the ACC standings, which is so uncharacteristic for them. But... Again, we don't know the the whole rundown of what we're going to see out of Syracuse because right now we're talking about an orange team that, let's just look at the guards first, okay? Because this could be an interesting little draw that we're seeing. Buddy Bayheim, of course, gets hurt in that last game out against Pitt, does not come back into the game with what appeared to be an ankle injury. Jim Bayheim and did his radio show with Matt Park, as he always does every week, and basically said that Buddy could not have come back into that game. So that kind of alarms me because usually when you've got these mild ankle injuries, you'll see them, especially if it's a rolled ankle or maybe a soft sprain, you can go back in. And it's actually best if you do go back in because that reduces the swelling for the time being. Listen, that thing's going to balloon up after, but you can play on it in the moment. But it's after when you're not doing that activity that that's when it really starts to swell and then you, you're usually out a couple games after that. So I don't want to speculate on what the severity of his injury is, but a little bit alarming to me that he did not go back into that game, and maybe this injury is a little bit worse than we think. Yeah, that was more alarming, certainly, to hear that. I originally thought, and I think ESPN even reported during the Pittsburgh game, that Buddy Beheim could have come back in the game. And I saw he had the wrap around his ankle. It just seemed like a sprained ankle, but I figured it was of the minor degree and he'd probably be fine for this game. Now, it's all speculation. We don't have any insider info here, but I do think he will play. And maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe that's just me thinking, I know Buddy's a tough guy and I feel like he'll do everything he can to at least give it a go. So regardless, though, he probably won't be 100%. I mean, he probably isn't practicing like he would normally this week. And 
Bayheim just said he's straight up questionable for the next game. So if it's not him, a lot of pressure falls on Bryson Goodine, who did look much better in that Pittsburgh game. But let's face it, that was also when they had the game kind of in hand and he could play a little more loose. We've seen some heroics out of him in that Wake Forest game, most notably. But now this would be his biggest test of the year. And maybe you turn to Washington a little bit more, too. I don't know. But not having Buddy Beheim is obviously huge for this team. I think something important, too, with Goodine, and we didn't get into him yesterday, and I wish we could have gotten a little more into him. But the thing with him is, and it seems like all freshmen, really, is the confidence level that you're going out there with. And with with Goodine, when he gets his sparing minutes throughout the season, he goes in almost with the mentality that, all right, if I mess up, I'm yanked. I'm out. But now, say say Buddy can't go, okay? Then you get Goodine in there. He knows that, okay, if I do come out, I will be put back in at some point because Howard Washington isn't going to play 35 minutes. He goes in with a little more confidence. He can play a little more loose, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up that part of it. He does just look a little more comfortable out there when he knows that reinforcements aren't going to come in right away anytime he does do something wrong out there. Because, again, he's a freshman. He's going to make mistakes. That That's just the nature of the beast. But I think we saw that with Joe Girard, too, where he played a lot better when he knew that he was the guy, when he started to get the starts. And that's when he really started to thrive. Now, honestly, watching Goodine in that Pittsburgh game, it, you were proud of him in some regards, but also it just felt like, man, maybe we should have like let him get a longer stint in the non-conference play. Or it would have been nice to possibly tap into this before it was kind of all for naught. I mean, some people are saying bubble, and we've kind of talked about how, yes, there is a path to get back, but bottom line is, you would have liked Goodine to be a part of this rotation, just in the sense that then going into his sophomore year, you feel more confident that he could take over a larger role as well. And of course, as Jim mentioned, he's playing a lot better with the mask off. All right, when we come back, we'll get into our UNC scout, and later on, we'll have the prop shop for you. That's Locked on Syracuse. All right, UNC tomorrow afternoon in the Dome, the last Dome game for a lot of these Syracuse players, and we'll also see John Wallace's number go up into the rafters. But let's look at how these two teams stack up, because, Tim, I think we did a pretty good job in that Pitt preview of kind of dissecting how the game was going to unfold. We said that Pitt would have to make threes. We've been kind of red hot threes. here lately. Yeah, we really have. And we said Pitt would have to make threes, and they'd have to get offensive rebounds if they wanted to have any chance of beating Syracuse. And guess what? They did neither of those. They didn't hit a three for about 12 and a half minutes. They didn't get an off, or they allowed an offensive rebound on three of the first four offensive possessions. And that kind of told the story of the game and hence the blowout loss. So when we look at UNC, this is a team who, I mean, this is not the UNC team of old. This is not the, no. the UNC team we even saw a year ago. And again, a lot of that is because there's been major turnover. I mean, they lost three of their biggest pieces in Cam Johnson, in Kobe White, in Nas Little. And you just look at, and Luke May as well. So when you look at what this team has done so far this year, of course, Cole Anthony has missed a lot of time. 
He was a guy who some people even pegged as maybe the player of the year, not just in the conference, but in the entire country heading into this. But he missed a lot of time with a knee injury. Of course, he had that big performance in Game 1 against Notre Dame when he set the ACC freshman record for points in a debut. So when we look at what UNC does well and doesn't do well, the rebounding is kind of back to normal. I know in the past two years... In talking with some of the Syracuse players, basically the scouting report that they've been handed is that this isn't the typical UNC team that's going to board you up for all 40 minutes. But this year, they seem to have gotten a little bit back on track. Their offensive rebounding percentage is at 35, which is top 15 in the country. And then their defensive rebounding percentage is also top 30 in the country. So they're a good rebounding team once again, but what they don't do well and which is something that they so sorely miss. When I mentioned those names that lo- that left from a year ago, especially when you look at a guy like Cam Johnson and Kobe White and, to a degree, Luke May, this team does not— How about not, Kenny Williams, And too. Kenny Williams as well. This yeah. team does not shoot the ball well. They're outside the top 330 in three-point percentage, outside the top 275 in two-point percentage, outside the top 300 in, three, in free-throw percentage. So— They just cannot get the ball in the bucket at times. And that's going to be a problem against Syracuse if they can't get shots to fall. I'll tell you what. I think this game comes down to can North Carolina get out in transition? I think it's literally as simple as that because we know they're going to rebound. As you mentioned, the rebounding numbers, they've got Garrison Brooks, 6'9", 235. He's eighth in the ACC in points, third in the ACC in rebounds. He's an all-ACC caliber player. Armando Baycott's a five-star freshman, 6'10", 235. He's got nine double-doubles this year. So this is a UNC team that is second in the country in rebounds per game. But another thing that has made them so formidable against this zone, and remember Roy Williams has won eight straight games against Jim Beheim's 2-3 zone. They're 8-1 Syracuse, is or UNC is against Syracuse since they've joined the conference. And in those eight straight wins, Tyler, Roy's team's UNC's teams have put up an average of 84 points a game. So they are just getting points, and they are finding ways to beat the zone. And their formula for doing it is they always have a team that rebounds well, and they always have a team that's up-tempo in transition, which means it's tough for the zone to get set up. So the problem with this year's UNC team is they've relied too much on the half court. The question is, can they force turnovers? Can they get out in transition tonight? And they definitely can get out in transition because when you look at the skill set of a guy like Cole Anthony, I mean, he's a guy who likes to run. He's very similar to, to Kobe White in the way that he wants to get out and get going. Into uh, He wants to play a, a full-court basketball game at all times. And even though he's coming off an injury, he, he doesn't care. He still has that that in him. I will say, when, when you talk about the zone busting too, and you mentioned the 8-1 and record that Syracuse or rather that UNC has against Syracuse ever since they joined the conference. Well, three of those wins came in one year, and it came in the final four years. So if you need any shred of what can Roy do against this zone, I mean, he beat it three times in a single season in a year where Syracuse went to the final four. Now, this is the first time since that original year of them joining the ACC, the only time they won that Tyler Ennis year, that they'll be favored against UNC, most likely, I'd imagine. But 
look, he was putting up 84 points a game, or or UNC was putting up 84 points a game in these past eight wins against mostly much better two three zones than what we've right. seen this year. Now the well, kicker remember, is UNC's offense is way down, obviously too. If you remember last year's game too, between these two teams, I mean, that was a game where it was a close game. And Syracuse has played UNC close in, in a number of these games as well, especially these last couple of years. But if you remember last year's game, Syracuse actually led at the half, and they were hitting shots. And that was kind of the big thing is, wow, the defense didn't show up to play, but you got a lot of big Tyus battle shots. I believe Dolajai also had a good game in this one too, but you just couldn't stop Kobe White on the other side of things. And that eventually led to your downfall. So I think a lot of this game is going to be predicated on the shoulders of Cole Anthony, because I think the bigs are going to get theirs down low. Armando Baycott, Garrison Brooks, they'll bully down low against Dolajai and Sidibe and Garrier. And if we see Jesse Edwards, maybe, who knows? But they're going to get Probably will because of guys. foul trouble. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this could yeah. be a, a real big foul problem game for, for those guys. So I expect to see those guys play really well in a game like this. But it's going yeah. to end up being whether Cole Anthony can make the difference from outside because his three-point percentage is 31%. But I don't think that really tells the whole story of him because – he had that knee injury. Maybe he was slowed down a little bit, and teams didn't respect the drive as much, and so that, that'll that force them to get out on his three-point shot. And we'll see. Maybe he can find some open gaps in that 2-3 zone because Baycott, he, he can pass the ball all right, and I think he might be a disruptor. But Brandon Robinson, we've seen that him really disrupt this zone um, at the top. However, he is not going to be there in this game, I don't believe, Correct. You're the UNC I think guy. he might play. Right? He might play? I, he came back in that NC State game. Oh, was he so, back? Okay. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he at least played after. It's kind of, he's been battling ankle injuries. It's kind of that ankle thing we were talking about with Beheim. Maybe if you come back, that's fine. But actually, it's the next game that you might be out you know, on occasions. But real quick, I'll just say I'm I'm extremely torn on this game as I've been texting you throughout the week. And the reason why I'm torn is everything is telling me to pick North Carolina from an X's and O's standpoint. I really do feel like people are overlooking how much of a matchup nightmare this is. This isn't Pittsburgh or Georgia Tech in terms of talent level and interior talent level. We'll see if Barama City Bay has really made progress because Brooks and Baycott are nightmares. They're going to get rebounds. They're going to get the bigs in foul trouble. And then the other thing is you mentioned their three-point shooting. Only 22% of their points this year come from beyond the arc. That's 337th in the nation. But that's honestly kind of a good thing because they're not going to settle for threes. At least I don't right. expect them to. I expect them to try to go to the high post where they have a lot of guys that can beat you there. I think they could flash Brooks at the high post, Leaky Black. I mean, the list goes on and on. And and also there's Cole Anthony who has turned it over a lot and kind of struggled, but he's going to get his points-wise. Uh, everything's telling me UNC, but the only thing that's preventing me from actually taking them, and I am going to take Syracuse, is because it just doesn't feel like this is how the season ends. It feels like in the last dome game as we know it, <laughs> Chance Westry there, it's just Syracuse is going to work their way back to the bubble, I feel like. It, it, that's just how they always do it. So I would be very cautious if I'm a Syracuse fan going into this game because this is the toughest game left. It might be the easiest game in terms of it's the only home game and it's the worst record left, but don't let that fool you. 
I'm going to go against you here, Tim. I'm going to say... Really? I'm going UNC in this game. And I always hate going against you because you're usually right when we're at odds. But, I mean, this <laughs> is a, a UNC team that's lost on how many buzzer beaters now? I mean, just... Was yeah. it five, six? And I don't I don't even want to rehash it, but it's it's a lot of close games. Five I mean, okay. games in the second half of the ACC, they've led by 10 or more points and lost in the yeah. second half. I'm just looking at all the way. This is just the month of February here, okay? Boston College, one-point game. Duke, of course, you know the story of that game where, where they lose in overtime on a, a buzzer beater. Virginia, two buzzer beaters, two point, really. Yeah, two <laughs> buzzer beaters, yeah. Two, uh, a two-point loss to Virginia. Uh, a buzzer-beating loss against Notre Dame. So that's four right here just in the month of February that, that this team's endured. So they may right now be 4-13 and 13 in the ACC, but don't let that fool you. They can compete in games, especially now that they've got their guy Cole Anthony back. All right, when we come back, prop shop time right here, Locked on Syracuse. All right, let's open up the prop shop here on Locked on Syracuse. You know how this game works. We give out these hypothetical game lines for Syracuse and UNC tomorrow, and we go through with our overs, unders, yeses, or nos. So we'll start with we'll start with this. So interesting little tidbit that that we realized last game. Will the announcers call him Joe or Joseph Gerard? Our, our one of <laughs> our guys, Jay Alter, went with the full Joseph, and Jay does his homework. So will it be yeah. Joe or Joseph Gerard from the announcers on first reference? I feel like they've waffled back and forth here. I don't know if Jay just went up to Joe. I, I, I call him Joe. But I don't know if he just went up to Gerard and asked, and he said Joseph. But I think they'll go back to Joe here. It was a little off-putting, though, when I heard Joseph so many times because it's like, why can't we just pick a side on these Syracuse guys? We've heard so many name exchanges, and now we've got a first name that's been easy all year, and now we're mixing that up. But I'm going to say they go back to Joe because it's not Jay calling the game, and that's what's been mostly said this year. All right, I'm, I'm rolling with you as well. I'm going to go Joe as well. Next up, it was made a big deal in week in the first game of the season because UNC and Syracuse play on the same night. The Orange put up 34 points. You know who also put up 34 points? Cole Anthony, all by himself. So, obviously, we're not expecting Cole Anthony to match the Orange's point total 100%, but what match of, like, what percentage of points will Cole have in comparison to Syracuse? We're going to set it at 33%. Are you going over or under? I'm going under on this one. I think Anthony will get to about 20 points, but he hasn't been quite as good since he's returned from injury, and honestly, he's just a good NBA player he's not really a good college guard I'm gonna go over I I just kind of like the fact that he can make a lot of things happen I think he's gonna get a lot of open shots in this game I think we could be seeing a 30 point performance out of Mr. Anthony in this one next up time to go back to the well it's it's been a fun and riveting bet for us every single time we've opened the prop shop (laughs) Barama Sidibe's fouls at four and a half what say you Tim I'm going to keep going over. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, we Especially had the right this logic, game. the wrong pick last time. Yeah, I mean, as I've always said, you can't root against him to not foul. That's just too tantalizing. And then Garrison Brooks and Baycott. Baycott's maybe hasn't been quite as good, but Brooks will get him in foul trouble single-handedly. I'm with you. I'm going to go Sidibe on the over of four and a half fouls. He will get disqualified from this game. 
However, I will say this. If he doesn't foul out this time, I will go under next game. I will. Really? Yeah. Okay. So this is something, Tim, you being from North Carolina, you're privy to this. Roy Williams, I mean, he he saves those timeouts like they're a currency in the afterlife. And <laughs> He's saving he, them for winter. Right, exactly, because he thinks you can go to the grave with them. But he, he often has a couple to cut at the end of games and just chooses not to. So how many timeouts will Roy have in his back pocket at the end of the second half? We're setting that number at two. So this, for me, comes down to do we think this game's going to be close the fact that we're setting it at two is laughable, but I'm going to take the over. I mean, he, he saves him because he wants his team to be in transition. He relies on the media timeouts. That's his history. And I think Syracuse could actually just come out and win this game by 10 or 15. As much as I said I was torn, it a part of me feels like either they win it big or UNC just shows up from the jump because it all comes down to which UNC team shows up. They don't have a ton of reason to play in this game. But maybe after a win, they've kind of found some new life. So I'll say over on this one. I'm going to go under because I think it will be semi-close at the end. And I think Roy is going to have to use a couple timeouts too. Last one we got for you here. These two coaches, of course, faced off in the 2003 National Championship back when Roy Williams was at Kansas. Will the broadcast mention the fact that these two coached against each other in the national championship, or is that just too much of a thing of the past? I think they'll mention it for sure. I'd go hard yes here. And also, they'll probably bring up numerous times how UNC has won eight in a row against Syracuse. You have to do that if you're the broadcast. Yeah, I'm with you here. I think it's going to be a yes as well. All right. We'll be back on Monday to break down this entire game. We're also, I know we promised some guests this week, but we are actually going to have guests next week. (laughs) And that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll get into some NFL Combine stuff because all that will be wrapped up as well. How the Orange fared there. And, of course, we'll be on Bubble Watch if Syracuse can pull out this victory against UNC. But until then, we'll talk soon. 